You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. The podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in DarkPod. That's D-A-R-K P-O-D at checkout and you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store at 50% off and then you're going to get those 10 free gifts absolutely free as part of your offer. This is such a great deal and this is just for you Disability After Dark listeners and I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. 
your disabled dick smith, your number one queer cripple. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled together and get this episode started. First thing is first, I want to give a proper shout out to some of the people that support the Patreon week after week and put their hard-earned money in in to support the show, and I thank you so much. One of the people that I want to give a shout-out to this week is Ray Dolman, who, the pun for you, Ray, is that you are a ray of sunshine in my life to give me a dollar a month to keep this show going and to shine a light on these topics. Thank you so much, Ray, with an E. Um, I appreciate it so, so much. If you want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge $1 a month to get the show a day early in a weird, awkward, punny shout-out for me. Or you can pledge $5 a month and get a chance to build an episode with me. Now, there are some of you who have pledged to this tier and haven't yet contacted me about building an episode Please do that at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com, and I would love to build an episode with you. So be in touch with me again. Email me, remind me, then we can build an episode together. But thank you all so much for pledging and shining a bright light on these topics in this show. But now, let's get to the show right now. So, back in episode 92 of the show, I did an episode about all the celebrities that I want to fuck, and I would want to fuck and teach them about disability while fucking them, and I wanted to see which celebrities I thought were not super ableist, or had done some ableist things that I could teach them through our awesome makeout sessions, how to be even less ableist. And I did, I reviewed that episode, and I talked a lot about John Stamos, and I talk a lot about um, Chris Pratt, and I talk a lot about um, some other celebrities who I can't remember at the moment, but I, one of the celebrities that I did not talk about in that episode was Paul Rudd, and I love Paul Rudd. I think he is so adorably handsome for someone who never ages. He's awesome, and I really should have included him in that list. And I was g- going to do another, I'm still going to do another celebrities that I wanted to want to fuck and and teach about ableism Um, but I I realized that Paul Rudd would be a great addition to this discussion because he was in a movie in 2016 funded by Netflix called The Fundamentals of Caring where he plays a caregiver to a disabled client and they kind of go they go on an adventure together and learn about each other and become friends and then the disabled guy falls in love and so I wanted to review this movie called The Fundamentals of Caring to see how they did disability in this film. I love doing movie reviews about disability and this is one of those episodes and that's what I'm going to bring you today. I also wanted to review this movie because not only does it focus on a possible romantic relationship of the disabled lead but it also takes a deep dive into the relationship of the attendant and the client one that we rarely see on film. We don't see this very often, where where you could just see a an attendant care worker and a client work together um, and kind of have those moments together that so many of us live in our day-to-day lives. We don't see that on film. So I was, I was really excited to see a movie kind of about caregiving and about how that plays out. And I was really 
I'm kind of ready for that. The movie was based on a book by Jonathan Evison called The Revised Fundamentals of Caregiving about a guy who has taken odd jobs as a caregiver. And the author, Jonathan Evison, was also a caregiver once, which is where he got the idea for the book. I really like this idea as it is right now, a book about what it means to be a personal support worker and a book maybe examining about the reality of that would be super important and good by itself. I think we need books from people who provide actual care to actual people day by day and books written in concert with disabled people about the act of caregiving and what that means. That as a book and kind of like as a memoirish thing would be really cool to have, I think, for both the disabled and non-disabled community to have that in our in our pantheon of like of books is is pantheon of books a thing we have i don't know but if if p- people want to write a book about caregiving in concert with their disabled clients that's that's really important um but of course to make this idea more palatable for a largely non-disabled readership the author had to have a client who had tragic muscular dystrophy, and who was there to teach the non-disabled character something about his life. This is where they went off the rails. They had to add in the emotional kind of heartstrings thing to make it, to make it, again, to, in my opinion, to make it more palatable to a, to a non-disabled audience, they had to do that. And so Hollywood loves that shit, and Hollywood ate that up and turned it into, into a movie. And that's the movie we're going to watch today. Just before I get to the trailer of the movie, the description of the film is this. Having suffered a tragedy, Ben becomes a caregiver to earn money. His first client, Trevor, is a hilarious 18-year-old with muscular dystrophy. Here's the part that got me the most when reading the description. One paralyzed emotionally, one paralyzed physically, Ben and Trevor will hit the road on a trip into the western states. The folks they collect along the way will help them test their skills for surviving outside their calculated existence. Together, they come to understand the importance of hope and the necessity of true friendship. Ugh, it's so saccharine already and it's so like, there's so little hints of ableism in there already coming out. Like, especially one paralyzed emotionally, one paralyzed physically. Gross! Ew, so much ableism. Um... So that's where we're starting. I'm going to play the trailer and then uh, I'm going to review the film. Okay. You must be Mr. Benjamin. Hi. Can you tell me about some of your previous clients? Trevor would be my first client. My child has a unique sense of humor. You know anything? Could you call the Make-A-Wish Foundation and tell them I want a blowjob from Katie Barry? He wakes at the same time every day. He watches TV at the same time every day. He eats at the same time every day. Two waffles, one sausage. Did you arrange these to look like large testicles and a small penis? Yep. Did you bring the divorce papers? I'm not ready, Janet. It's been two and a half years. What's the magic number where you wake up and you're finally ready? What's the thing you'd want to do most if you were totally fine? This is a map of your country's lamest roadside attractions. The world's deepest pit. World's biggest bovine. What makes you think I would let you take my son on a road trip? I won't let anything happen to your son. Get rid of Slim Jim. Buy it to the James. Is that what they say in your country? Check it out, man. The world's biggest bovine.
You good? Yeah, you. Do you? Should we give her a ride? Hi there. My name's Ben. Are you a pervert? I'm not a pervert. That's exactly what a pervert would say. I'm Dot. Fat. Two perverts got room for one more. see my father. He left when I was three. Hi. We need Bob. Tell him it's Trevor. And if that doesn't jog his memory, say he's in a wheelchair. And if that doesn't jog his memory, say he's your son. And if that doesn't jog his memory, say you're an enormous dick. I, I can't have you getting too close to Trevor. I can't have you making promises you can't keep. Are you asking me on a date? Yes, I am. You're not my father, okay? I'm trying to help you. No, you're not. This is not about me. It's about you. I'm gonna call the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and I'll get Katy Perry to meet us at a motel. What song do you want her to sing while she's doing you? Fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so just before we start the film, if you want to follow along and watch this film, you can get it on Netflix. It's streaming now. It's been streaming for the last three years. It's available now. So the film opens with a woman talking about the complicated relationship between caregiving and those who are in need of it. We learn really quickly that um, Paul Rudd's character is in a class learning about how to become a caregiver. And this struck me when I watched it because I have never seen this kind of discussion about caregiving and talking about caregiving in this way in film anywhere. And quite frankly, I was like, wow, I want to see more of this stuff. I need to see more of this to, to see how a person might be trained as a caregiver was just, it blew me away. And I, I'd seen the film before, but watching it again, I was like, wow, th these kinds of scenes for disability representation are also really important. We talk about needing disabled people on film. I also want to see caregivers on film. And this was a great, again, totally acted part, but it was a great way of seeing that reality of disability too, a whole other aspect of it that we don't often see. I wish we saw more of these kind of representations in the real world too, of how how is it, what is a caregiver taught? What are they... What, where do they learn this? What are the, what is their what tools are they given to work with a disabled client? That's the stuff I want to see on film. Whether it be in a characterization like this or in a documentary, that's the stuff I want to see. So we see Paul Rudd's character, whose name is Ben, being taught how to be a caregiver and being told by the teacher to give care but not care too much. And when she said that I was like, Oh, that feels weird. Why would you give care but not care too much? And I think that's their way of saying set a boundary, and I think that's really important too because boundaries professionally are important, but also I think you do want to care about your clients, and I think that needs to be changed to simply say set a boundary. And I hope that real attending care workers and PCAs are not taught to care but don't care too much because that feels weird. The next thing we see is Ben graduating from a caregiving course and starting work immediately as a caregiver. And this felt really quick. This all happened within the first three and a half minutes of the film. And I was like, wow, that happened real fast. And again, they did it in a montage, of course, obviously. But I would have liked to have seen 
what kind of training the caregiver was given and maybe how they dealt with those aspects. I want to see like Ben fail carrying carrying a person or like have trouble with a sling or have trouble with a CPAP machine or have trouble with, you know, helping someone in the bathroom or, or learn that kind of stuff. I, I want to see that stuff. That's the stuff that people need to see to really ground themselves in the realism that is disability. And again, they made this movie for Hollywood and they had Paul Rudd in it, so they couldn't be super real. But but if we want to talk about true disability representation, this is also the stuff we need to see. I think, anyway. You might think, Andrew, you're fucking wrong. It's just a movie. Deal with it. But, the, but I felt like we needed to see more of the actual training taking place. Also, within the first three minutes, we see Ben meeting his new client's mom, who has the overbearing mother of the disabled kid thing down to a T. Like, she immediately is like, oh, you must be the new caregiver. Here's his routine. Here's what he likes. Here's what he doesn't like. Here's what his deal is. He has all this stuff. Like, right, like she, she goes in right away, which tells you two things, that the mom has been, has been through this many times before with different caregivers, has that routine down, but is. It just felt really like, can we not have, can we have a, a mother character who has a disabled child that's a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more chill, a little bit more fun when they open the door for a caregiver? Because I know that care is, is needs to be regimented, obviously, and of course I get all that, but, but these mom, these parental characters, and I think I said this in Me Before Ew, too, um... They're so intense about care. It needs to be a little bit more relaxed, I think. We need to see, like, cool parents of disabled kids so that, or disabled adults or disabled teenagers, whatever whatever characterization of, of kid you have there, we need to see that the parents be relaxed because then people watching will be like, oh, a a parent of a disabled child can actually have fun too and be and isn't constantly worried about their child's well-being and isn't constantly worried about whether their child's going to perish and isn't constantly worried about their child's routine. I want to see that. I mean, can we have a film where like the mother and the the disabled kid hang out and do fun stuff together and do stuff that isn't necessarily related to disability? Like my mom and I should do a film where we go to to like the CVS with the shoppers together and we like walk around. My mom and I do that all the time and that's one of my favorite things to do with my mom and I, it's relaxing and I would love to see, I just want to see more relaxed parents of disabled people on film. That's all. That's what that whole rant was. So Ben comes in, sits down and meets the mom and the mom is doing the interview and we learn that the person that Ben will be caring for is 18. So my first thought was, why isn't the adult disabled person doing the interview? Why is the mom? That just felt weird. And that just felt like, like it, when I was 18, my mom said, no, no, you do the interview. You see who it is and you figure out if they're good or not. And you do all that. I'm not going to be involved. And that was good. This mom like does it all for her kid. And I think we need to see I want to see how the attendant and the, the disabled person get on. And one of the ways you see that is in these intake interviews. You figure out if there's a rapport right away. And I, I would have wanted to have seen Ben, the caregiver, and Trevor, the client, work together by having this interview. 
When we finally do meet Trevor, he comes in the room and pretends to not be able to speak and to only verbalize to scare the prospective caregiver, Ben. This freaks Ben out, who starts only talking to the mother. It's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Like, is there something wrong with him? Should I help him? What do I do? Oh my goodness. And it's like, okay. Like, we realize that Trevor is joking, and we realize that it was a joke. And I, I watched this scene, and when I watched the scene, I was like, oh, that's not very nice, because we're making fun of people who can't verbalize and who can't speak the way we do. And I just felt like watching it again and having some of the knowledge I do now around what's appropriate, I was like, that's not funny anymore. That's actually super ableist, and they shouldn't have done that. Um, and I used to do it too. I used to joke around and do a thing where I could p- pretended like I had a speech impediment, and I used to do that for attendance, and we would laugh about it. But now, I just don't think it's funny anymore. It's actually really rude and really unfair. So, if you do that with your caregivers ever, and you make those like jokes and pretend like you're more disabled than you actually are, it's really not that funny. It's kind of ableist and rude, and I highly recommend we don't do that anymore. At one point... Uh, Trevor says to Ben, oh, I'm not retarded, you know, I'm not retarded. And then his mom says, hey, hey, Trevor, there's people that are worse off than you. And I think that's a common thing that parents say to their disabled kids who who have a certain varying levels of disability, like, hey, someone's worse off than you. And I think we need to stop doing that because that sets up comparisons. And to see that on film now was like, oh, first of all, you shouldn't say retarded anymore. And... To say there are people worse off than you, I think we need to really stop the disability hierarchy. And I, I realized they were trying to do that for like for a realism effect and to ground the film a little bit. But also I was like, oh, okay, please don't do that anymore. Like, don't. That shouldn't have been in there. So during this whole process, Ben says that he took a six-week course to become a caregiver. And I kind of looked it up in Toronto to see what the what the courses are, and I found a course for six months and eight months, and that kind of gives you the bare minimum of what to do. Um, and I would kind of be uncomfortable if somebody was like, "I want to do care for you, and I've only been doing I've been, only been training for six weeks." I would want somebody who was like, "No, I've been doing it for a few months." I don't know if, if six weeks as a client would make me feel super comfortable. If anyone's listening and took a six-week course, I want to hear from you what you learned. And then also during the interview, Trevor says to Ben, "Well, hey, can you wipe my ass? How like tell, describe to me how you would wipe my ass?" And Ben says something like, "Well, I would wipe your ass in a way that would that would mean there was no more shit on it." And I like that because you can see the humor kind of bubbling up with them, and I felt that was really important because with my caregivers. I like to, once I get to know you, once I'm, once there's a comfortability with you, I like to play and I like to be a little bit naughty and I like to be be cheeky and 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 play like that because it it it's a test for me to see how you're gonna react to me in when you're in my space. So that's definitely what he was doing. And when when they when they when Trevor the client realized that Ben the caregiver could joke around with him you can see there's a glint in his eye of like oh we can we can play a little bit 
At the end of the interview process, before we go to the next scene, Trevor does say, okay, well, I've decided that he's the one. He's the guy that I want. He'll be doing my care. So ultimately, he does decide, but I still would have liked to have seen Trevor, the disabled person, in the interview process doing all that. And I mean, that's n- that's not even something that I'm part of in my in my living situation. And I think we need to see more of that on film to see to see that the disabled person gets to say in who gets to do their care. On Ben's first day, he comes in to, to do care for Trevor, and the mom answers the door and says, hey, do you know what DMD is? And when Ben is flustered and is like, uh, buh, buh, uh, I don't know, the mom says, well, when you get home, Google it. And I was like, okay, that's not necessarily something I would suggest. Don't Google it, because every type of disability is different and it's just just stop like did google pay for part of that movie like why did you have to say google was it like were you trying to be trendy and hip don't do that i don't think we should be telling people to google disabilities don't worry there will be a whole episode on what happens when you google your disability that's going to come i'm going to do a whole series on different types of disabilities and the things that we get can find on google versus the things we can find elsewhere don't worry it's coming um so and I, so the mom guides the guides Ben through what to do, and I felt really weird watching this because I was like, yeah, the mom can guide to a point, but also Trevor should be guiding this. Trevor should be directing this. Trevor should be telling him what to do. The mom should really have no say in this because the mom is not the client. The mom should not decide. The client should decide, and so they needed. They should have shown Trevor taking some initiative. What we see is that Trevor's life is really, really based on a very rigid routine, very, very strict. The mom shows him, shows Ben the pills that Trevor has to take, the exercises Trevor has to do. There's a whole montage about the exercises Trevor has to do and all these things that have to happen. And we can see that this routine has been played out a number of different times and is very, is very, very regimented. And... I like seeing that because a lot of us deal with those routines, but the way that it's shown is really quick, and I wanted to, I wanted to see more of what those routines look like. Trevor's mom tells Ben Trevor's life expectancy in one scene. She's like, oh yeah, he's only going to live, you know, seven to ten more years, so we have to make them good ones. And I was like, huh, excuse me? You don't have the right to tell this guy his life expectancy, your son's life expectancy. That just, it just felt really, like, jarring to hear that. And I don't know, I want to know from other people who, other disabled people who direct their own care, would you share this detail with an, with a prospective caregiver? Would you be like, don't worry, your job's only going to last, like, seven more years, or I'm not going to be around for all this long time, so let's make it great. Like, would you, would you share that detail? I don't know if I would. And then in the next scene, we see that Trevor's really smart and loves maps and likes traveling. And it kind of it kind of sets up the scene for that they that he wants to travel, but he never leaves the house. The mom says repeatedly in the first couple opening scenes that he doesn't ever leave the house. He stays home a lot and is kind of reclusive, and so that routine is never going to change. He only goes to the park like once a week, and everyone is fine with that. And I was like, well. They should also show 
this disabled guy going out more. Like, disabled people can leave their house if they choose to, whether or not they have a routine. So that just feels... That felt kind of strange. And I think they were trying to really play on the fact that this guy was a bit of a loner. But also, loners go out. I'm a loner, and I go out all the time. And I love being home, but I also go out, like... So that was weird. But anyway, they showed that Trevor wants to travel. He wants to do all these things. And that sets him up for, like, the upcoming road trip. Then they do a couple of montages of Ben trying to learn how to take Trevor to the bathroom and trying to help him get on the toilet. And, like, all these kind of cute little montages of Paul Rudd lifting this guy in and out of his chair trying to get him on the toilet, which which I thought was kind of cute because... I super want Paul Rudd to lift me on a toilet, uh, or lift me anywhere. We would things would happen, but I thought that that was kind of cool because we get to see a little bit of the care and a little bit of the hu- uh, the humor there, um, and we also see that you know Ben is really far too serious at the beginning, and that can make things hard. And so you see Trevor playing with him because you're like, oh my god, this guy's so serious. So like, you could see the disabled character trying to play with the fact that this attendant doesn't want to doesn't want to relax and so I, I liked watching those scenes and I liked seeing them in the, in the bathroom a little bit trying to do the care but again if Paul Rudd wants to learn how to lift a real disabled person give me a call Paul let's figure it out let's figure it out fundamentals of caring too with me in it please oh yeah I should mention before we go any further that the, the character in a wheelchair Trevor is not played by a disabled person and that irks me to my core, but I left it out because I just assumed that if we're going to talk about disability, you knew that the person wasn't actually disabled because, God forbid, that would actually happen. So that pisses me off, and seeing them do all the lifting stuff in the bathroom, I was like, let's get a real disabled person to, to for you to do that with. And I think, you know, having watched the movie now, I think that Paul Rudd paired next to like an actual disabled person would also be hilarious so I'm only half kidding when I say fundamentals of caring too or fundamentals of caring the porn version maybe uh Paul Rudd slash Jay Austin slash the both of you what do you think let me know call me but anyway so then they do another montage of care of Ben learning how to do Trevor's care and all, that's super nice but I also kind of wished that there was a montage of all the times for Trevor that the care had been subpar, had been kind of bad, had been not really good. Because it's important that people see the other side of that too and see how how sometimes the care isn't great and why why disabled people don't often have caregivers for a long period of time. Not only is their caregiver burnout, sometimes people are just not fit to be caregivers. So I would have liked to have seen that in the montage, too. So at some point, we see Trevor getting a letter from his dad, and he puts it in a bunch of other letters from his dad that are unopened and unread. Uh, And Ben is like, hey, man, what are those letters about? What's going on there? And Ben's like, oh, they're from my dad. He's kind of, he left when I was diagnosed. He left, and it's, really tough for me and that moment struck me because my dad left too when I was diagnosed with CP he just disappeared and so I kind of know how that feels I don't I don't know if my dad left right when I was diagnosed but around that time it all it all feels very relative to me he left when he found out that I was a lot of work 
and that that was hard for me. I have more to say about my dad in a minute, but we'll get there. I will say that the angry disabled person trope in film is so tiring. I don't know why we keep using the same, like, I'm disabled, it's angering. Could, I wish that a character would be like, no, I'm actually disabled because ableism. Not I'm disabled, be- not I'm angry because I am disabled, I'm angry because of ableism. I'd love a character to say that. And the only time that I've heard ableism used used in a show or on popular television is Ryan o- O'Connell's um, special, which... I'm going to review soon enough, so stay tuned for that. But what I will say, watching this character, Trevor, in The Fundamentals of Caring, watching him be angry because of disability, it just was really tiring to watch because we've seen this character before. They don't give this character like much depth other than, I'm disabled and it's annoying and it angers me. Like, ugh, can, we, can we go deeper into that, please? There's another scene in the beginning where the mom tells Ben not to get too close to Trevor because, and this is where, this is like, right, this is close to around the time where she says he's going to only be around for seven to ten years. And she's like, don't get too close to him because, you know, we don't want him getting too attached. Because, you know, and I just thought, what? don't say that. Those relationships between attendant and caregiver between attendant and client, rather, are really, really important. And if they're good, they're vital. They're important for our happiness and our success in the world. So telling a caregiver not to get too close is... I I personally think that that's problematic. And you should never advise somebody not to get too close because those relationships are very intimate in a totally different way and are very important. In that same conversation, the mom is like, oh, we also heard, Ben, that your kid died, and we're so sorry, and Trevor knows too, and this is after Trevor had said things about his dad to Ben, and so Ben realizes that Trevor knew that Ben's son died, and then Trevor and Ben get into a fight, and Ben's like, you knew that my son died, and you went on about your dad, all this stuff, why did you do that, like, fuck you, you're a prick, and they get into this really heated fight, and I thought that was really important, because it's really important to see that the the attendant and the client fight sometimes, anger happens, and it just felt really good to see on film the attendant and the client fighting about stuff, it was personal stuff and drama, of course, but it was good to see them realistically have a fight, and be like, you're a fucking prick, it doesn't matter, I don't care if you're disabled, like, fuck you, and so that that was I liked seeing that because it it humanized them both. So after they fight and make up, Trevor tells his mom that Ben, the caregiver, wants to take Trevor on a trip across the western states and she's like, No, no, he can't go, no way. Like that's super dangerous. No, no, he can't, no, 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 no. And I watched the scene and I was like, Trevor's eighteen. If he wants to go somewhere with his caregiver you don't really get to have a say in that. And I really wish we would have seen, again, more of the cool mom. Could you just be a chill parent of like, oh, you want to go on a trip? Cool, let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. Like, I have friends with Duchesne's muscular dystrophy who travel lots and who do a lot of stuff and who go everywhere and do things. And yeah, the mom is scared, but we need to see different characterizations on film to show that this is not the only type of disabled parent, of parent of disabled kids there are 
there need to be more representations of that on film, I think. So once Trevor's mom finally agrees to let him go on this trip, we see Trevor getting nervous and uncomfortable. He's like, oh no, I, I, I changed my mind. Oh no, I don't want to go. Oh no, I'm gonna, it's going to fuck up my routine. Oh no, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And he gets really, really anxious and really uncomfortable. And I kind of really felt that scene because it shows that his routine's important to him. And for me as a disabled person that needs a lot of help, my routine is also really important to me. And I get the feeling of like leaving that. And I, I've mentioned this a couple times in the travel episode and I think the camping episode too, of the discomfort of leaving what I know is can be really jarring for a disabled person. So I that scene felt really real to me and really important to show. I guess what I would have liked to have seen more of, like I suggested back in episode 132, where I talk about like how you can take your romantic person on a on a travel date, where I say like, "Hey, go like walk them through what to do." I would have loved to have seen more of the attendant client. Here's what we're gonna do. Here's how we're gonna make you feel safe. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out, and I, you'll be okay. And and, and have, having the clients say, like, I'm worried about ableism and I'm worried about access and I'm worried about this and laying out what they felt and talking that through. That would have been a great scene to film. And then the mom is like, and this is a scene that I, I, I laughed out loud. She's like, okay, okay, I want you to call me every three hours. And I was like, come the fuck on. This kid's 18. When I was 18 and I have like severe spastic quadriplegic CP, I didn't call my mom every three hours at 18. I was like, I was like, I didn't talk to my mom for weeks at a time. Like, he'll be fine. That doesn't happen in real life. Calm down. One of my friends has Duchenne muscular dystrophy, which is what this character has. He doesn't speak to his mom all the time. <sighs> that stuff doesn't happen. And the parents, again, the parents just don't understand. Relax. Be calm. Be chill. So they finally head off and they're ready to go and they're, they're, they get in the car and they do all these things and they're good to go. They get in the accessible van and they're about to leave. And one of the first scenes we see of Ben and Trevor on the road is Ben needs to take a pee and they're in, they're in an accessible washroom. And I was surprised by this because every single time that I've traveled on the road somewhere or gone in an airport or gone, or been somewhere that wasn't that wasn't that you weren't sure if it was going to be accessible. It was never fully accessible, and so I would have loved to have seen them dealing with inaccessibility of the toilet and that kind of stuff. And we didn't get to see a lot of that. I just found it interesting that the very first bathroom they went to was actually accessible. I think it would have been funnier to see what lack of access to the toilet looks like, and what if the what if Trevor really needs to go pee and Ben can't find an accessible bathroom. There's some comedy in there that they could have really mined for good stuff, I think. And you see them going places, and every place they go in the first, like, few 20 minutes of the film, everywhere is accessible, and I was just like, that's not, none of that's realistic. We needed to see more of what wasn't accessible, and we needed to see a montage of the inaccessibility of them traveling that would have made it more realistic, in my opinion. And then, at some point, they are at a gas station and they see Dot 
which who who is played by Selena Gomez, who is a non-disabled girl that they kind of see, and Trevor goes to make goes to. She's like, "Hey, you have nice shoes," and he's like, "Yeah, I got them at the mall." And then he drives away, and Ben was like, "Wow, you're really bad at flirting. Like, wow, you don't know how to do that." And they have a chat about how. Trevor doesn't know how to flirt, and then Trevor's like, well, she wouldn't want to be with me because I'm in a wheelchair, and I was just like, ugh, of course that's the reason. Maybe she wouldn't want to be with you because you're a stranger on the street to her, and she doesn't know you. Like, what the hell? No, she wouldn't want to be with you because she doesn't know who you are. It just was annoying to see the... And I know we all do this, and I've done this too sometimes, where, like, everything goes back to my disability. It was annoying to see that played out by characters because... I wanted to see more more of their humanity than just, oh my god, she doesn't want to talk to me because I'm in a wheelchair. That was annoying. It was annoying. And about Dot, who he just met, Trevor says, like, a girl like that would never want to be with a guy like me. And it was like, I, I really would have also liked to have seen him say something like, you know, I've decided that I only want to be, want to want to be with, like, I, I didn't want to see him elevate non-disabled people anymore and to see characters do that all the time. I would love to have seen a character say something along the lines of, like, oh, I only actually date disabled girls. Like, she's not my type. Like, that would be really cool. But that would never happen because they needed him to be, oh, that able-bodied girl would never be with me. Like, no. We need some more diversity in who our disabled characters can, like, so then, as they're driving along on this road trip, Trevor pretends to start choking on a Slim Jim, and he, like, really... I thought when I first watched he was actually choking, and so Ben is like, oh, fuck, and he, he like, goes to help him do the Heimlich, I think, which I think, you know, watching it, I'm gonna do a whole episode on, like, how to help your date if they start choking at dinner, because it's a real thing that happens, but I don't think that you can do the Heimlich the way that you do it for non-disabled people. I think there's a whole other way, which I'll get into in another episode. But Ben goes to do the Heimlich on Trevor, and then Trevor starts laughing, and is like, ha-ha, I was just kidding. And it was like, as somebody with CP who has trouble swallowing things, and who, and you know, I like swallowing things, and I have choked numerous times and I've choked on things other than giant penises and I know how scary that can be so I didn't feel really comfy watching that scene because I was like we shouldn't be using a disabled person choking as a like prank plot device and I just it made me feel uncomfortable so they're going along on this road trip and everything's good and they're all happy and then they want to see the giant some giant cow in the Midwest somewhere. They want to see, like, the biggest cow of the town or something. And so they get there, and they get Trevor out of the... They get Trevor out of the wheelchair van, and they're going into the place. And the guy's like, oh, we don't have wheelchair access. And then, you know, the the attendant Ben character is like, you're going to find somebody, and you're going to make it happen, buddy, and he wants to see the biggest cow. So you're going to figure out a way to get this disabled guy up there to see that cow. And I was just like... Okay, I realize that you're trying to be, you're trying to show like access is required in this movie, but it's just a cow, and in real life, 
I would be like, fuck it, I don't want to see the cow, it's okay. So then in the scene, they carry this guy up the stairs in his power chair, and I was like, oh, we need, this is not... And I, they were doing it as a plot device to show, like, you have to lift this guy up, you have to carry him, you have to do it for accessibility, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, real talk, no one in the wheelchair ever truly wants to be carried by somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. That never feels safe. And they shouldn't have... I just don't think they should have put that in the film. They were trying to be funny, but it was like, come on. I, it was just a plastic cow. I probably would have said no. Also, I found it odd that the attendant in this scene, Ben, didn't actually help with any of the lifting of the wheelchair up the stairs. So I was like, why are you there? Your whole job is to help this guy and you're not helping to lift him up? That feels weird. So it just... I remember watching that part being like, oh, why is the attendant leaving these strangers to carry this guy up the stairs. It, it felt weird. So, uh, yeah. They, and I, again, they were trying to be funny, but don't put that stuff in there. That's not realistic. This, this again shows how a non-disabled eye creates film and creates stories like this because a disabled eye would look at that and say, oh, that's not what really would happen or might look at it differently. We need films that are directed by disabled people too because that would change the whole way that narrative of the film played out. So then after all that happens, uh, Trevor says he wants to see his dad and he's like, hey Ben, can we drive to where my dad is? Um, can, we, can we see him? And Ben is like, oh no, I have to call your mom. And like, again, Ben, the, Trevor is 18 years old. Why do you have to call his mom? He wants to do something with you. We need to stop giving parents in these films the, like, they're not... You don't have to call my parents every time I want to do something. That's okay. Like, I wish we could see more of the parents. Again, I've said this, like, three times now. The parents need to just relax. So they come back around to some gas station, the, the, and they see Dot again hitchhiking. And they were like... Well, let's give her a ride. They decide to give her a ride. And so she comes and sits down with them. And she says to Trevor, so like, right away, she's like, so what happened to you? Does it hurt? Does it affect your brains? Does your penis work? These are like the first lines that she says to him. And I kind of love seeing this in the movie because it was so true to life and it was so rapid fire. And we know as disabled people, these are things that people actually ask us. So... There was kind of a sense of realism there that I really appreciated. They have all these scenes, so they're going like around the country and they're doing the road trip thing, and they have all these scenes where Ben is putting Trevor in bed already dressed and he's like doing really, really minimal care things, and I was like, hang on, the movie is called The Fundamentals of Caring. Why the fuck aren't we seeing more of the care aspect? And this, this again, speaks to the fact that this, this movie was not created or driven by a disabled team. Because had it been, I would hope that we would see more of the care between Ben and Trevor. And we didn't see a lot of that. And we really needed that to ground us in some of the realities of his disability, I think. One of the things I really did enjoy about the film, though, that I, that I will say, that was the comedic quips between Ben and Trevor, where they'd say stuff like, Oh, man, that's shitty. And then, and then Ben would say something like, You know, 
when Trevor has a, sh- has a shit, I gotta clean him up. That's my job. I clean him up. And so they'd, they'd play with the fact that there was care happening. So we'd see jo- like jokey moments around the care and like quips between them, but we didn't see enough of the care actually occurring. And then I have in my notes, at one point, Ben loses Trevor's meds and they freak out together. Ben like... Ben's like, oh my god, I lost her meds. I'm so sorry. Like, oh no, oh no. And Trevor's like, what? Oh no, I'm good. I'm so scared. Like, oh no, no, no. And then I liked this scene because so many of us who are disabled who've been traveling and we've forgotten something important like our charger or like our meds or something like that have been in the space where you're like, oh fuck, what do I do? Do I go to a online pharmacy? Do I go to the hospital? Like, what do I do? So there, I like that because I've been in those spaces where you're uncomfortable and then to see that Ben is pranking Trevor was like, again, let's not make jokes about the importance of meds and the importance of this stuff. Yeah, we can be funny around care and stuff, but around meds and, like, choking and stuff, it's not really a joke. To me, anyway. Then Dot and Trevor go on a date, and they, like, go to the diner across the street from one of the motels, and they, like, sit and talk in this, like, in this, like, inaudible, like, montage moment and she doesn't really help him eat or anything with maybe he's independent enough to do that but I would have liked to have seen her like feed him kind of like when we talked about it in episode 121 about would you shove this in my mouth I would have loved to have seen her feed him whatever they're eating together and I would have loved to have seen that that happen um we didn't see that we just see them talking which again speaks to if it was created by a disabled person that narrative might have looked very different So then the next scene is Trevor tracks down his dad at the car dealership and they talk to each other and they have a stilted relationship. And we find out that the letters that Trevor thought his dad was writing to him, his mom actually wrote to him because his dad didn't want to write the letters. And this breaks Trevor's heart and he like turns away and wheels his chair to the office and it breaks him. And I watched that scene just now before recording and it was hard for me because I... A few weeks ago, my dad actually came to my house and we saw each other for the first time in like six years. And that was, it was equally weird. And so um, I really felt for this character having a parent that didn't want to be there. And it just, it just made me feel like, fuck, that's so shitty. You finally tracked this guy down to talk to him and then that's what you get? Fuck. So then Ben... And so then Trevor leaves his dad's office and they're in the parking lot and Ben's there and says, Ben says like, hey man, I hope you're okay, like no big deal. And Trevor goes, well, why are you a caregiver? Why are you taking care of me? Like, shouldn't you go take care of your own life? Like, go fuck off or whatever. And then they get into a bit of a row with each other and then, and then Ben is like, well, my son died, so I need to get a job and I need, I need to take care of things and so this is what I do and Trevor's like, you're not my dad, and then Ben's like, I know, and it got into this weird familial thing, but again, I like watching the attendant and the client fight, because it humanized them, and you can see their connection, and if I fight with my attendant like that, it means I give a, I give a fuck about you, and so I liked seeing that from these two characters. So, the rest of the movie is kind of fluff, and so Dot goes to... Dot's dad is also not around and so at the end 
Dot's dad shows up and is like, I love you too, sweetheart, blah, blah. Really not. There was no point of her. Selena Gomez's storyline was to be like, oh, you're the pretty girl that is going to, like, maybe date the disabled guy. That was her whole reason of being there. So um, she she was just a plot device, quite literally. Um, and then at the, end of the, at the end of the thing, Ben stops becoming Trevor's caregiver and they remain friends. And then Ben writes a book about it, which, and that's literally the end of the film. So I still love Paul Rudd in this movie. It was re- he was really great, and he's he, I like him a lot. But he said something in, in an interview that I just watched where he was like, you know, the writer really handles the like tough material of disability really well. And I was like, oh fuck, why does why does every actor who deals with disability on film have to be like, yeah, they really wrote about it so gently and perfectly? And I was like, no. Why do you have to do that and, like, cloak everything with a little bit of ableism? Like, no, 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 no. So, I still love Paul Rudd. I still will teach him all about how not to be ableist with my penis. He's great. I still want to have a road trip with him, and I really want to sleep with him. Um, Paul Rudd, call me. Or the porn version of Paul Rudd, whoever that is, call me, and let's let's do a porn that way, because I'm a porn star now. Weird. Um... And that's the movie. Uh, that's literally it. So I want to do more movies about disability on this cha- on this show, and so I need a rating system for the for the movies that I watch. And so I'm gonna do I'm gonna do five out of five mobility devices is the best. And so for this movie, because Paul Rudd's in it. I'm going to give the movie a 3.5 mobility devices out of 5. Because it wasn't great, but it did bring attendant care on film, and that was super important. So, and Paul Rudd's kind of hot, so 3.5 out of 5. Let me know on the social media at DisAftDarkPod on Twitter, or the Disability After Dark Facebook page, or on email, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com, which next disability movie you want me to review on this show let me know and we'll go from there but that's uh that's my review of the fundamentals of caring hope you liked it thanks for coming bye all right friends that's another episode of disability after dark the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is, of course, Andrew Gerza, and thank you so much for listening and helping the show go. I really appreciate that you all listen and that you come back every week, and I love doing it, and I love shining a bright light on these topics, so thank you. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com where you'll find my writings, some cool videos I've been in, and you'll see where I've been talking where I've been doing talks, and if you want to hire me to talk, you can do so there as well. If you want to follow me on the social media, you can put in all my handles on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook at TheAndrewGerza. If you want to follow the podcast specifically, you can follow us on Twitter at DisAftDarkPod, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash DisabilityAfterDark. This show is a completely independent production. I literally record the show here in my bedroom in Toronto, and that's awesome. So if you want to support this fully independent program, 
you can head over to patreon.com slash disability after dark and you can pledge one dollar a month to get the show early and get really cool perks like that and i i will give you a shout out on the air and thank you for your support it would be super awesome if you could also leave a five-star review on itunes or wherever you download your podcast so that this show all about sexuality and disability something we don't talk about enough can get more traction and more people can hear about the show Lastly, if you want to be a part of Disability After Dark, you can submit your suggestions, story ideas, or your minisodes to our email inbox, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next time, right here on the program Shining a Bright Light on Sex and Disability, Disability After Dark. New episodes of Disability After Dark will be available every Thursday on your favorite podcast app. Also available to Patreon subscribers one day early on every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations with music by Chris Sugiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019.